Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Hello and welcome to Kip and Tell, a Kevin McDonald Appreciation Fan Club as of today. <laughs> you will be <laughs> ah, <cut on> my head. <laughs> we will be reviewing every episode with witty banter, unmissable segments like kids say the darndest fucking things, and introduce us four times. Bricks. <laughs> Bricks. Bricks. I am Stuart DC in Vancouver, Canada. I'm joined by Kalina McCornoff in London, England. Hello. Hans Seidemann and Prince Rupert. Hey. And Trevor Record in Vancouver, Canada. Hello. <laughs> I like Hans's husky introduction. Hey great. guys, this is how I talk now. <laughs> I, I was sweating a little bit because I didn't do a weird one. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be reviewing episode three of season two, which aired on October 9th, 1990. Let's kick off with our sketch rundown. This week we got Making Up the News, in which Mark McKinney uh, Anchorman cracks up. Two clearly insane people, the introduction of the Sizzler Sisters <laughs> yeah. Lounge Act. Sizzler! Kathy's Dream, in which Kathy with a K wins Miss Canadian. <laughs> Not allowed to smoke in the subway, a play that we have to watch. <laughs> Crying Anchorman, the sad news. <laughs> of making up the news. The phone, in which a phone rings. <laughs> cucumber salad on the face, where an executive has cucumber salad on the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The phone, where it rings again, segueing into the phone, into the introduction of the Touch Paul Bellini contest. Yay! So a chock full episode all around. Segment one, let's dive in with kids at the darndest fucking things. Best line of the week. Okay, I want to start this off by just acknowledging there's like a really weird one-off in the Sizzler Sisters episode that has nothing to do with the rest of it, where Scott comes up on stage and they keep saying he's Roy Ar- Orbison. And he says, Roy Orbison. I'm not Roy <laughs> Orbison. And then he's just like, I work in colorization. But I don't agree with it. Yeah, are, are either of those things connected, like Roy Orbison and colorization? No, 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 no. Not at all. Or why it would be controversial at well, all. So back in those days, there was, yeah, there was a lot of colorization of old films happening. And there uh, were a lot of people that were just, like, this is one of those, like, weird culture war things that is forgotten because yeah. who actually gives a shit. But, like, there were a lot of people losing their shit because there was a colorized version of It's a Wonderful Life. And that was something to be mad about back then. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> like, like, that's what that's I about. Like that. uh, but I do have a runner-up from the Kathy sketch where she just has this line where she's like, T-G-I-D-H-A-P-N. Thank God I don't have a pig nose. <laughs> Keep that one in your back pocket. Yeah, that was a good one. I, I hate you a little bit, Trevor, for stealing my favorite line of the episode, which is also Scott's colorization statement at the end of the Lounge Singer sketch, which I thought was just hilarious. But um, I, yeah, I don't feel like this was an episode that was heavy in quotable quotes, but there mm. was one other one that I liked, uh, and it was from Scott in the sketch where Bruce has the bit of cucumber salad in his mustache. <laughs> And it's it's right after Bruce freaks out for the first time and starts frantically rubbing all over his face with his hands <laughs> and arms and, and then and then kind of like slams his hands down on the table and looks at, at Scott and Scott says, geez, Don, you almost got it. But then you missed it completely, <laughs> which I don't know why that there's something about that that cracked me up. I think it was his delivery uh, that was just pitch perfect. But 
I love Big Brother Love because I hated that skit so much, but I remember <laughs> that moment and it was it was really good. And I feel mm. like season two has less amazing quotes like that really stick with you, but lots of really good moments. Yeah. Um, one of them really stuck with me was at the end of the uh, phone part three slash touch Paul Bellini contest where Mark is just standing behind a tuxedo for some reason. And he says, call early, call often, unless this is a rerun, in which case, I wonder if I'm dead. And he just looks so sad for a second. The way he bursts through the green screen to start that sketch is also delightful. It was, uh, it was so strange. Thing, it's so sad because you know that'll one day be true. Oh, damn, no, Kalina. Mark will never die. <laughs> Mark, uh, but in terms of actual lines i loved i love the sizzler sisters so much and yes. my favorite part of that is uh they insist on the piano player and it's good introduce us or die. Yes. Just, just more kevin delights mm. yeah you guys have already touched on all my faves but i'll grab another from the sizzler sketch it's probably no surprise to know that i've been walking around the house the past week yelling to no one <laughs> sing you bricks <laughs> and whenever i forget some lyrics i take that kevin line we don't have to know the lyrics we're stylists <laughs> oh, sorry let God. me take that again uh, we don't have to know the words we're stylists so yes, love, love Sizzler and Sizzler so much. You know what, I, I another line from Sizzler and Sizzler that I liked, which is like, do you have the piano player we requested? And he's like, yeah, that's him up on stage. And then they're like, does he have fingers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's so there's good. so much. To, I could talk about that. Yeah, Forever. and you know, I, and I, I mean, you know, he's obviously playing sort of like this, the straight guy, but like the lounge host or owner. <laughs> as for Bruce is just so good. He's just like, so this is the pre-show part of the show. Leave. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leave. I, I really like that. I was kind of surprised by this because usually we rip on Bruce for being a terrible, terrible actor, <laughs> but that is a really Sorry, wonderful. Sorry, you mispronounced Dave there. Oh. Oh, wow. Dave actually has some chops. We oh, just hate he him because he is too cute. I know. We love um, Dave. We love you, Dave. I, I do love Dave. Actually, he's really growing. I mean, he's really starting to hit a stride in season two. I feel, um, Bruce is really good as a straight man, and like yeah. I, some uh, you don't see him support well in the background all the time. It's usually like his showcase for the skit. Yeah, but I loved him for that. I'm so glad you brought that up, Kalina. Mm. Um, so let's move on to segment two, and I want to talk about format because season two has been showing um, market change in how they deal with the show as a format, like as a as an episode, because it started off as a pretty standard sketch comedy show and they would do a little bit when they mess with the narrative but i feel like this season is where they start really kicking into gear because this entire episode is very much like a monty python episode or movie to me like it, it has very um meaning of life vibes mm. you know what i mean like they have that framing narrative with the tv the fake tv anchor which then pulled like in the next skit it pulls out from the TV to go into the skit to show that it's in the same universe and just like mm. it felt like I took a lot like they were really trying to play with it and that's because like you were saying he rips through the green screen in this <laughs> like bold completely unexpected action there um, I want to hear your thoughts on this do you appreciate what they did in this episode for format surrealism I mean, yeah you can tell they're working kind of outside their comfort zone a bit and just enjoying the kind of creativity that is opening up for them in this sort of pre-recorded format. But I don't know, this isn't something that I'd say they become known for. And I, I see it as them 
you know, having the opportunity to, to do illusion and, and reference a bit, um, but I don't think it's something that becomes their forte. Um, you know, what's, what's funny about this is like, of course, no one at the time would have known that YouTube would have existed or that you would have been able to, <laughs> yeah. you know, look at anything mm-hmm. in clips because like you look at things like um, it, something that's coming up in the next episode where um, there's a sketch that refers back to the cold open um, mm. Nutty Bunnies teaser. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and like someone would have watched that and not gotten it at all. And you're just like, haha, Nutty Bunnies, what? <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. And, and unless you, you know, would have gone through and sort of watched all the sketches and somehow come across um, the other, um, it just doesn't quite work well. So I don't know. Like, I, I, I see what they're trying to do. I see like taking something as a full package, but like, I guess now for us, like, it just, it's, it's like, who buys the full album, you know? I was going to say, but they're a punk rock band. you got to get the whole concept, man. <laughs> you can't just get yeah. the best of. They, yeah, you no, can't just get the singles. There's a punk rock band, not a prog rock band. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Called out. Yeah, but I love that they do, do like, bust out a bit and do the whole, like, hey, we should probably have some sort of, like, weird contest, right? Yeah, like, why don't we get them to touch Paul Bellini, who, for people who don't <laughs> no, know, but- like, is, like, Scott's man on set um <laughs> as like he was, he was scott's handler scott's handler yeah. yeah um so yeah i'm i don't know like i i get i get what they're trying to do i don't necessarily think it's a strength for them but i can appreciate that they're trying <laughs> did you like it in this one because this episode is very weird like mm. they it really does just fuck around a lot with the viewer yeah like there's an there's a there's a skit where it's just a phone ringing yeah that, that, that and one. it doesn't come back until like three scenes later. Spoiler alert, I'm going to say that's dumb, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I pretty much said my bit. Go on. Uh, you know, this episode does kind of remind me of another sketch comedy would, which would sort of follow in its footsteps a little bit, Mr. Show. Um, yeah. Where they did something kind of similar, but like took it to another extreme where it was like every single sketch they had had to lead into the next one sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. very much like the uh, Mark running through the green screen thing, but like every single sketch was like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, like... Uh, I think that that's not really what they're necessarily trying to do all the time here, but like they are definitely now more committed to sort of making this a continuous TV show with callbacks to things that have happened rather than just a collection of sketches. Also, also Mm. side note, when I told my fiance that Paul Bellini was a real person and that the touch Paul Bellini contest actually happened, it blew her mind a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the fact that it actually happened also blew my mind. I thought it was just, just a, just a joke. I love that he was sensitive about his body and he was like, I guess I'll learn to not be. <laughs> I guess I'll just wear a towel and fly across the country. And in, and, and, and in talking to Paul Myers, it sounds like it had the exact opposite effect of it being profoundly uncomfortable. But, you know, I, 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 Stu, I'm going to just finally come in here and shit on this a bit. I, you know, I, I do I do appreciate the kids' experimentation with the format, um, mm-hmm. but with the exception of the really amazing beginning of the Paul Bellini contest with, you know, the green screen and Mark coming through and then standing behind the tuxedo and all that, which was amazing. Um, I felt like the absurdity in this episode just kind of annoyed me. Like the phone ringing ended up 
feeling like dull moments between the sketches that broke up what otherwise would have been a good rhythm for the episode. Um, so, so I, I appreciate that this was a good first attempt and I, and I give it credit for that, but, um, I'm definitely looking forward more to their future attempts at, at kind of the, the format absurdity more so than on this one. But I will say this, uh, as a total aside, um, speaking of the Paul Bellini contest, um, for the listeners at home, we watched, uh, this episode together, uh, earlier, uh, this year, and we tried to phone the phone number for the touch Paul Bellini contest and it's no longer in service, which makes me, which gave me a thought as I was rewatching the episode for uh, the notes for this show, which is that we should try and acquire that phone number somehow (laughs) and make it, make it our kith and tell hotline. Oh Am my I, God. I mean, obviously, right? Yes. I, yes. Oh. Okay, I will take that on as my little pet project. Uh, what? I like that a lot. Good boy, Hans. What was it that happened again when we tried to phone that phone number? It was like... It just it just went to a this it wasn't a, this number is not in service, but it was just like a generic this number doesn't exist essentially. Hmm. Yeah. I or, imagine or whoever it, no, would have gotten just, that afterwards was just so like annoyed at people just being like, just, I don't want to touch Bellini. Didn't it just automatically <laughs> hang up on us? Like, didn't it just go like it no, like, like connected and then disconnected? Paul is closed. Yeah. Anyways, I, I definitely for for viewers at home, the number is one eight hundred three eight seven one nine four two. That's one eight hundred three eight seven one nine four two. Soon to be the official Kith and Tell podcast hotline. In the meantime, you Man. can just go on Twitter like a normal person. <laughs> I like that while we're discussing format surrealism, our podcast breaks down <laughs> and becomes an infomercial for itself somehow. <laughs> We're through the looking glass. Did it, did did it, did. I I like all of your takes on that. This is kind of how I felt. Like I, I thought it was neat. I thought it was cool for them to develop a bit more of a unique flavor in storytelling that they were messing around with surrealism and with this narration. But like to me, it felt so Monty Python derivative. Like mm. the pulling away from the TV is right out of the playbook, and then the like yeah, true. the uh, pseudo military dude is a straight up Graham <laughs> Chapman bit that he used to do. The like well, that's much too silly. Like, you know that one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, like, ripping through the green screen quite dramatically. And then, like, why was he standing behind a tuxedo? It just <laughs> felt, like, weird for weirdness sake. Which, by the way, brings us into segment three, which is a very particular one that we haven't done before. But I'm just like, what the fuck happened during the phone sketch? I don't <laughs> understand, especially the second one. So the phone rings, and it's just by the fish tank. And then it cuts again to it later in the episode. And Mark's fake newscaster says on the lines of, like, Canada has broken down into tiny little pieces, and then he breaks into hysterical sobs. What the fuck happened? It's not. Wait, can I can I just ask a question though? Like you're you're referring to this as the phone sketch. I thought that the phone sketch and the news anchor were completely separate. I made no connection between the two. They uh, no, they segue because it cuts. They, yeah, he cries, and then it cuts to the phone again. And it's still ringing. Yeah, I mean they're kind of they they they. 
they're two sides of a coin. Like every time there's a newscaster sketch, it's followed by a phone sort of thing. And then the phone goes into, and then the phone goes into, you know, the, you know, the, the phone, the, the more detailed phone sketch and whatever. Right. Cause I was also thinking because in the phone sketch, you have Mark McKinney as that guy who comes in being like, Hey, why aren't you guys answering your phone? And then it like refers (laughs) back to him, like in Nam where he's like, I couldn't answer the phone then, but I can answer it now. But then he cries like a baby, like he does in the anchor sketch. So I was very confused. Oh, I see what you mean. I don't know. I like when I when I think of the phone sketch and the newscaster thing, I, I think okay, so first off with the newscaster portion of it, I feel like that would have worked better back when it aired because the idea of the newscaster being anything other than kind of the most upstanding, straight laced kind of personality, especially in Canada, you know, yeah. where we had we've had you know, we had uh uh oh wow oh, Peter Mansbridge. Yeah, yeah P- we've had Peter Mansbridge as like our national anchor for like forty years practically. Um so I think playing with that idea of the newscaster being anything but that was maybe a bit more funny and so when you you know when you like for instance that opening bit which i did not care at all for rests entirely (laughs) on that premise um it might have been more funny back then and i you know i'll give mark credit for the totally weird and absurd facial expressions he makes as the newscaster during some of those bits and and the sobbing like they're you know I, i like them better um I don't know if it needs to be more than that. You know, and the phone, I don't know what they were going for with the phone bit. I just, I didn't think it worked, but, uh, you know, A for effort. Uh, the only thing that I can say is maybe it was a reference to Ke- Quebec independence or something along those lines, uh, but... Maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. often Mark's sketches aren't funny and they don't make sense, too. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Kevin McDonald appreciation yeah. podcast, not a Mark McKinney appreciation like, podcast. Well, Mark, we love you. If you'll ever want to come on, we're happy to have you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still don't really feel like I get the connection between newscasters and poem sketch, but all right, I'll, 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 I'm going to play this one. I mean, I just feel like it's generally a joke about, like, the presenter and anchor being a dum-dum, but a patriot at heart. But yeah, like what Trevor <laughs> says, I thought it was just... Um, must have been about the time when sort of sovereignty movements in Quebec started to gain momentum ahead of the, ahead of the referendum in 95, right? For any of our American listeners, um, in the 1990s and, and before the 1990s, like really starting in the 60s, there was a Quebec independence <laughs> movement that was uh, growing in power and eventually led to, in the mid-90s, uh, a, a referendum on whether or not Quebec was going to separate from Canada. Um, and it was a very close election, so around this... They're still extremely salty yes, about it, it. Around this we time, it, the Bloc Québécois. Yeah, around this time, it oh, may yeah. have seemed very credible that the, Quebec may have separated from Canada. Um, you know, think think of the Scotland uh, separation referendum in in the yeah. UK. Like that, Trevor. You're talking to Americans. Talking about Scotland doesn't help. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine Texas decided it was going to leave because it's That's, a big and important yeah. part, and the rest of the country would kind of be fifty fifty split on. All right, or oh no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, it's very much like that. But either way, but I, mean, I mean, economy. the whole the whole um, sketch segment, as it were, is just a bit off course. Given that they didn't really do political satire all that often, and I think they didn't. as we've discussed before, like if they had done that, I think their whole show, probably like Saturday Night Live, would have um, aged far worse. Yeah, true. <laughs> mm-hmm. it would have been more topical. Yeah. But here's the thing: they've never done political comment like commentary before, true. and the joke is not funny. Like, beyond, <laughs> I think that's that's a great nexus to say it's probably about independence or sovereignty. Mm. But it's so it's like 
45 seconds of him just agonizingly drawing out this sob, and it goes on and on, and it's just awful to watch, and there's no resolution. I don't understand why they did this. I think it was just to be antagonistic to us. You know what? Here's here's what I thought. Rather than shitting on Mark, because we love Mark, like we love all our boys, let's use this as an opportunity to say, Mark, buddy, we love you. We don't know what the <laughs> fuck's going on in this sketch. Come on the show. Enlighten <laughs> us. You know? Explain Let's yourself. hear your side of the story, Mark. Were they connected, uh, the phone and the anchor, man? We Please just need a us. list of sketches that Mark needs to explain himself. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? No, no, no. It's, it, yeah, it's, it, we, can either take, we can take this one of two ways. It could either be, hey, Mark, come on, explain it. Or it could be like, Mark, explain yourself. Explain yourself. I like the I'm running one. out of string to <laughs> loop together all of our crazy harebrained schemes mm. and ideas. Um, let's wrap it up. Let's do standout sketch with the rating of five Paul's Bellini. (laughs) For me, it's the Sizzler sisters. No question. I give them four and a half Paul's Bellini out of five. (laughs) Mm. I I love their different depictions of unhinged maniac. I love the little touches, like how they never gesture in the correct direction. (laughs) Yes. I love that they keep (laughs) reflexively screaming bricks at anyone (laughs) who interacts with them. I could just really relate to that. <laughs> okay, so I know everyone's going to pick the Sizzler Sisters, so I'm going to give honorary mention to No Smoking, uh, which yeah. is a sketch mm. where uh, Scott plays this guy, Tony, who's just is the the alpha male in a male friendship, and he's bullying Mark, and Mark is, is whiny and is being bullied very effectively. Um, that one felt so much like, guess who went to... F- acting school and yeah. they got to like do yeah. a play yeah. no, it was can a, I can I ask though play. so is that the Tony oh maybe oh, oh. oh. he does seem <laughs> he does seem like the kind of Tony that someone would wonder about in a French hotel yeah I, I love that interesting um yeah I but you know what I think that's my worst sketch to be honest Oh really? Mm-hmm. It's either it's either that one or Miss Canada with Kathy with a K. I just I was like, ah, oh, this dream sequence isn't quite my thing. Mm. Um, uh. So yeah, both of those are pretty pretty down on my list. But yeah, Sizzler and Sizzler, hands down, best sketch. Another great Kevin and Dave duo that I wish would have been oh, yeah. far more recurring than the three that it stretched out to be. So five mm. out of five yellow ribbons round the old oak tree for me. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, I, I will. Uh, I do appreciate that you tried to give some also rans in this episode. I I also I too did enjoy no smoking, although I did find Ugh. Scott's character. I did find Scott's character really creepy, so mm-hmm. it kind of that. So that one can't make it to to the top for me. I also mm-hmm. I also enjoyed food in the mustache. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't have been my favorite in any other episode, but I did like it in this one. But yeah, I you know like the rest of you, the Sizzler Sisters was my favorite for this episode, and and it had my favorite moment of the whole episode, which I you already alluded to trevor which is when bruce is trying desperately but gently to get everyone to leave the lounge just <laughs> just leave leave uh dave's and i'll say this too dave sizzler character is some of his best work i yeah, think that's good um, yes and he just has such great and great and unique delivery of his lines and his facial expressions are totally dead on so way to go dave i gave Yay, i gave dave. I gave insane lounge singers uh, three and a half Pauls out of a Bellini. 
Um, yeah. And as far as three like, clearly insane yeah. people, and as far as a worst sketch for me, it was the opening, the cold open, making up the news. Like just for whatever reason, I don't know, paper airplanes and Mark yeah. just giggling like a little boy just didn't do anything for me. I gave it one Paul's of Bellini. <laughs> oh, I will say though, and that one does suck, and I wasn't super into the yeah. the news kind of thing. I liked watching Mark fake break as the yes. news anchor. Yeah, I mean? that was that was, that was really good. amusing. That was good. You know why that didn't um, make my worst sketch? Because I don't even consider it one. Oh, oh. Cool. oh harsh burn <laughs> all right well that's it for episode three <laughs> review really salty today <laughs> join us next week for episode four which will be hosted by kalina thanks for listening to kith and tell pricks <laughs> pricks <laughs> bye bye, bye. Email us at contact at kithandtell.ca and let us know what you think of the show. And if you flatter us, we'll have you on the show someday. Also, make sure to follow us on social media. You'll get notified as soon as a new episode is up with the freshest, most handcrafted gifts pulled from the most gifable moments of each episode. You can find us at twitter.com slash kithandtellpod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash kithandtell. Keep that one in your back pocket.